The Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers. Welcome to the Provoke Media Podcast. I'm Megan Keoghan, Head of Content Partnerships here at Provoke. Where subject matter expertise has once reigned supreme, PR agency leaders are reevaluating old recruiting models and increasing the weight that creativity and enthusiasm bring to some of the most traditional spaces like public affairs firms. Notably, there are a range of challenges that come with hiring talent from outside of PR, onboarding, training, and cultural integration among them. Yet firms like GSG are finding that the pros far outweigh what once may have been considered to be a hurdle, and now even view those twists to be seen as assets. With us today is Tanya Mack from GSG, who brings a particular expertise when it comes to integrating creativity into traditional models, so much so that she and her team have developed an entire in-house creative agency under the auspice of a public affairs firm. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for the conversation. Absolutely. Um, so tell us a little bit, you know, background on GSG and, um, and, and let us know a little bit more about the lab to, get, to kick us off. Sure. So Global Strategy Group is a full service research, communications, public affairs, and creative firm. We work with leading brands and organizations to build and protect reputations, to mitigate risk, manage crisis, um, and use you know all of the tools in the communicator's toolbox to help our clients achieve their, their business goals. There's always a means to, to an end. Um, at a company like GSG, we work a lot in highly regulated industries. So we're, you know, think finance, tech, energy, healthcare as, as some examples. Um, and so we are really adept at communicating with target audiences of elected officials and policymakers. So that experience uh, in our world is, is a real um is really important and really relevant to, to our clients. We're based in New York City. We've got a big office and presence in DC. Um, as you would imagine, offices in Hartford, Nashville, Chicago, Denver, Seattle, and LA, um, and an international footprint with our partner, Sec Newgate. We're in 24 countries, and there's about 1,100 of us strong um, across, across the globe. And we like to win for our clients. We've got really talented, smart, and, and hardworking team members, and so I'm excited to tell you a little bit more about them um, today. As, as far as my role at GSG, I'm a partner and managing director. So that means I lead client engagements and client teams. It means I'm responsible for uh, our new business development process. I manage our team. So when you mentioned uh, in the beginning, onboarding, you know, recruitment, retention, training, et cetera, um, that's a lot of what I do every day. And basically, you know, my job is to do whatever I need to do to make sure that the business is, is healthy and, and growing. That's fantastic. So, um, a lot, you know, that we've talked about back to like your, um, presence at the global summit, uh, and, and to some of the conversations that we've been having since have really talked a lot about how you very tangibly are putting this, you know, theory into practice at GSG with the introduction of the labs. And what I'm so interested in and hopeful we can really dig into today is the evolution of, of how that went from, you know, an idea to yeah. an actual business model and, and what that really looks, looks like for you. Yeah. I mean, it's been a process. It, it started with this conversation that we're always having in the industry about the evolving nature of communications, right? So platforms are changing, 
the way people consume news and information is constantly changing. We all have sort of our own individual fingerprints as a, a consumer of, of information and, and content. Um, and so we're constantly looking for those new platforms, new ways of delivering content. Um, you know, what do we need to do to the content itself? And as a public affairs agency, you know, we used to to joke that, you know, we've got the two-page memo or the five-page memo down. We can do it in words, right? But as we all know, the world is increasingly less focused on long-form narrative. Um, and so how do you bring sort of where people are uh, into the mix and, and serve them up content and information in a really different way? And that led us to a conversation about um, creative, right? And how to bring that type of thinking, not just the content generation, but creative thinking. How do we do this differently? Um, into the mix. So we have um, one of my SVPs, Emily Williams, who leads our digital media, was really interested in this. She worked with me for probably two years uh, to pull the concept together of an in-house creative and digital media agency. Um, and so, you know, we took a we took a chance. It was a risk. We decided to do this all in-house as opposed to going out and acquiring another agency. So we recruited a creative director. Um, who had a very non-traditional background, didn't, you know, didn't really know what public affairs was. He's really, really good at, was very good, continues to be very good at consumer advertising. But we knew that we could, you know, that we could loop him into our world. And, and we did that on purpose because we didn't want somebody from our world who was just going to say, yes, this is the way you do it. We wanted somebody to push us a little bit. Turns out we got pushed a lot. So there's a lot of back and forth uh, for us and our clients. And it's been really, really fascinating and gratifying to see what we've been able to do with uh, with the lab. Uh, the name of our in-house agency is The Lab. It's been great to see what we've been able to do with that over the last um, couple of years. Yeah, I have a lot of questions and I'm trying to decide what order uh, makes the most sense for us Just to go head up. Yeah, we can go out of order, in order, it doesn't matter. That's sort of the way the creative brain is supposed to work, Megan, right. so like, you take me where you want me to go. I guess my first question is, um, the thing that stood out to me from kind of having shared experience in this is, how did you go about recruiting this creative director? Who put together the job description? What went into that to know to get to get the thing you you knew you didn't have, um, how did you articulate that? And I think that's a really interesting conversation to think of at the outset. Yeah. Well, at first we did what a good communicator would do and look at all the job descriptions, you know, in the world that we thought were you know applicable. We worked with our HR team to to pull specs. Um, we interviewed our senior staff and the people who were out servicing clients at a really high level and selling business to learn from them what they think they needed, right? What would help you sell better? What would help you meet your clients' needs better? So at that point, it was less about the type of person and more about the type of services, you know, the tools, sure. what, what do they need? Um, took it back, tried to, to put that into a job description, pulled together interview questions, pulled together um, a sample brief, right? Here's the problem, here's the public affairs challenge, come back and present to us. Um, you know, we had, no idea at that moment yeah. in time, I think what we were doing, but we we know our clients really well. So we knew, you know, we knew the challenge. We just didn't realize how the creative was going to, to apply. And then we went through the interview process. And what we quickly learned is because we were interviewing people from both the, the PR world and from you know, the consumer world specifically, uh -huh. um, we started to look for some really different things, right? We started to look for somebody who could 
think and adjust on their feet and learn during a conversation and put those learnings, you know, into practice. We have this person mm-hmm. actually pitch our senior leaders, give the concept, talk through. Um, ultimately, Rob Lee, who's our creative director, um, was selected because of his you know, energy and enthusiasm. He was able to throw out a big idea take that feedback, play with it on the fly, um, and really just sort of fed off the energy of of the team. And so sort of that nimbleness, that excitement and enthusiasm um, for the job, and then just the the wowness of his actual creative application that that he shared for us. And and also, Megan, because it was so different. It was not, he he didn't come back to us with a really straightforward public affairs campaign. He came back with something that looked a little different. And we knew if we were going to make this investment, uh, we wanted to think beyond the confines of our particular experience. Yeah. Um, So ultimately, that's why we selected him. We had some great conversations uh, along the way. But I will tell you, you know, 24 months later, you know, we we all agree that it was the, the right decision. Absolutely. I have to think like, not only was it a leap for you to hire outside of the box in this way, but it had to have been a leap for a person like Rob, who's coming from also a very different space to trust that he would, you know, it's, it's easy for us to say, yeah, you're going to have all this liberty and you'll have all this creative control. And then like when push comes to shove, it can be very hard for a team to adapt to that. And I would think from his perspective that that was also a leap of faith or an act of trust that when day one of work came, that the relationship was going to work that way. 100%. And, and for, and in both, in both directions, that trust has to be in the relationship, you know, that professional respect for each other, the relationship that at the end of the day, what we are trying to do is do excellent work for our clients and move the needle for our clients and coming at it with those expectations makes some of that back and forth, yeah. right? And some of that difficulty, we, you know, we speak different languages, we communicate differently, we have different ideas. You know, we like to do things by brainstorming committee, and that's not how creatives yeah. work. And so just sort of figuring that out. But as long as that that foundation of um, trust uh, and professionalism and respect for, for different opinions and viewpoints is present, um, we've been able to we've been able to mesh pretty well. And it's interesting. I was thinking, you know, while I was thinking about this conversation and, and back to some of our other ones, Megan, it's interesting to me. We already did have some experience in this because GSU was founded as a research firm. So we've got pollsters, we've got data scientists. On the comm side, it's great because if you want a message test, if you want to track brand favorability, if I need a news hook for thought leaders, you know, or thought leadership piece, I can go to our, our, our research colleagues. But if you've ever spent any time with anybody who, you know, is in data and you know, weighs data, survey data, yeah. um, you know, is, is looking at cross tabs all day, you know, they speak an entirely different language, they're different personnel. I don't speak numbers and data at all. <laughs> um, but we were able, you know, over the last 15 plus years, we were able to really integrate research and that team with comms and public affairs. And so this is like, if you think about a spectrum, right, you've got research and data on one end, you've got creative at the other end of the spectrum. And then somewhere in between are the communicators, you know, yeah. like with my team. Um, so we had experience sort of with that back and forth and a deep respect for different ways of doing things. So I think that helped a little bit with the integration. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes to like the kind of the age old, like which comes first, the chicken or the egg question, when you brought Rob in, uh, there was a 
I imagine the team that was working with Rob initially was also a bit of a culture shock, a very different process than um, they were used to and whatnot. And I'm, I'm curious if you can tell us a little bit more about how that transition went with sort of getting this group to think a little bit differently or a little bit more open-mindedly, or perhaps they already were like really excited to think differently. And, and to that, I'd also be interested in hearing your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, the the team generally was really excited to think differently because remember, we had sort of pulled them in in the ideation and, and business planning stage. So like, what do you need? So yeah. so there was a um, an understanding that we needed this. We all wanted it and we wanted to make it to make it work. Yeah. Um, you know what what happens, though, when you start to integrate a creative team and you start pitching ideas to to clients, right? All of a sudden, the subject matter experts in the account team will be like, whoa, 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 too much, <laughs> too fast, right? That's I, I don't know how many times the words that's never going to fly with this client came out yeah. of my mouth in the early days. And, you know, Rob would tell you that the biggest challenge is getting the people who are in the weeds really smart about their clients to back up and sort of see the forest through the trees, right? He said, if Mm -hmm. you just zoom out with me for a little bit and we'd say, no, 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 you're not taking into account. And then we'd run the list of like the five different things, the 10 different facts, the landscape. And he's like, no, I need you to zoom back out, right? You're, You're in, come back out with me. Um, and that continues to be a challenge, right? For people yeah. who who are in the weeds and might have been working on a client engagement for 12 months, 24 months, um, to have somebody come in and say, yeah, I, I get that that's, it's deep, that you're deep yeah. in there. That's, that's not how creative works. Yeah. Um, so that's been a, that's been a continual learning experience. I think the biggest challenge in the way that we communicate and the other challenge with the lab team is we saw some really great success early on. So before we knew it, we were producing full-blown anthem videos. You know, we, we had a really hefty work stream. And so we had to quickly hire up. So we ended up hiring a production manager just to manage the flow of all the productions that were going on and started to add staff. And so um, our team has a really great network and we were able to attract graphic designers and assistant videographers and, and a whole team that has gelled yeah. together. Um, so just continuing to build that, to build that out as yeah. well. Talk to me a little bit about what the production experience looks like. Does it look and feel different from your typical creative agency, especially with um, a lot of new hires at once? You probably had to build your Asana boards or your Slack process, you know, like all of that takes a lot of thinking through about like what works for our organization. And when it's not in place, it can be a tough sell to somebody like a project manager who's like, I'm walking into something that's not built. So I'm interested in in your thoughts on that. Yeah. So we had in the early days what we thought was a process and a system because it worked for communications and public affairs clients. And we figured out it quickly did it. And also on the creative team side, they weren't all used to the quick turnaround that you need to do in a public affairs environment and how nimble we need to be. Right. So our messages, our outlets, things may change, you know, between one day and another. And so it's not like you can create a storyboard and pitch it and shoot it and, you know, and, and life goes on for many of our clients. We might be deep into something and we're asked to change direction in response to, to something that that's happened, right, in an yeah. external landscape. Um, because we're often working towards, you know, legislation, regulation, a policy outcome. So we've got to be really fluid. Um, our comms team is really used to that. 
our creative team, not necessarily. However, I will say we must have gotten the most flexible creatives out there um, and the fastest working because I've seen them I've seen them adapt to that environment. So at the same time, our executives are trying to adapt to a creative environment. Our creative team is trying to understand sort of the speed and pace mm-hmm. that GSG clients um, require. And so you'll see, at least from the creative that we produce, there'll be process and there'll be production management, but it, it will look really different than a traditional ad agency for that, that yeah. reason. How often do you find yourselves having, um, whether it's like an all staff meeting within the lab team um, or an all team meeting, uh, kind of that merger of the minds, like you're bringing your sales teams there who are looking for a concept to bring out, you're bringing your comms team and you're bringing your creative. And what do those kinds of conversations look like? Because I think it, I would have to think that there's a a lot of learning curve of of just understanding how people's minds work for them to collaborate, to go forth and then collaborate and create. Yeah, so the structure that we have that seems to work, at least for now, is our, our lab leadership team sits on our sales team calls every week. So they're there from the very beginning, hearing about opportunities and and, and offering their ideas or, or their support at that meeting. So they're involved from, from the get-go. The lab team itself is meeting every week. That's sort of more of a project management, but also troubleshooting, brainstorming, um, there's creative discussion, there's staffing issues, et cetera. And then the lab team is often really embedded with our client teams and our subject matter experts. So um, what's been really unique and interesting and successful for us is when we pair a public affairs subject matter expert with our creative team, and they're with the client from day one as equal partners. So it's not, you know, my account executive going to the lab and saying, I need a video or I need social graphics that does X. They're actually in that conversation with the client. The client is hearing their ideas. They're having that conversation. And it's all guided by the relationship owner at GSG who's got deep expertise. And so that has been you know, another way that the lab doesn't sort of sit off in, you know, in their own space, yeah. so to speak, um, but are really embedded within our, in our client teams. That That is actually just such an interesting um, approach to, to more or less assign, you know, we're used to assigning like the strategist and the yeah. project manager to something, but this is, this is a different, creating a different consistent relationship. And I, I think that's a really cool way, um, not only for your clients to benefit from having that kind of attention, but also your team to kind of foster that collaboration and that, that growth. And yeah, and the, the more you work together, the more both, you know, we get it from both sides, right? So for all the times I said, this client is never going to buy that, uh, Rob, that's too crazy. Yeah. To his, I told you so, because we've gotten, maybe we're not where I was, where I've stretched a little bit, but not quite as much as, as yeah. he wanted us to stretch. Um, the more that that happens, the more experience that we have, the more we're willing to to take some of those risks. And I don't mean sure. risks in a, in a bad sense. I, I mean, doing things a little differently from, yep. I've been doing this for 20 years, right? So doing something outside my comfort zone to me is a risk. Yeah. Um, and the same with our other our other senior leaders who, who are leading client teams. And so the more that we do this together, um, the more that we can sort of respect different processes and different yep. mindsets, but ultimately the way it's judged is it's really a meritocracy. The way it's judged on you know how how happy is the client and how much did it move the needle to their business goal. I mean, this is not just like 
pretty creative, right? This, right, is, right? this is creative design to address a real problem or a real opportunity on, on the client side. Yeah. You talked early, early on about um, agencies sort of having their unique fingerprints on like their style or their approach to things. And I, I'd love to hear from you how GSG's fingerprints have stayed in this new kind of different approach and yeah. how um, have they kind of evolved? If, if you could talk a little bit about like output and, and what that's looked like. Yeah, I, I think the easiest way to do that, Megan, is through an example. So right. we have um, been a big campaign for Pratt & Whitney. They are um, a defense contractor, a jet engine maker for, for the US government and military. Um, and they had a really traditional public affairs assignment. There was a conversation in Washington about the next engine. It needed to be upgraded for F-35 fighter jets. Uh, the F-135 engine is currently in there. Pratt & Whitney wants to upgrade that for because it saves taxpayer dollars, because there's less risk, there's less downtime. You know, you, you come through with all the come up with all the messaging um, as opposed to getting, you know, a completely new, new engine. And so we go through all the very you know, technical message points. It's, it's you know, coalition assured, combat tested, you know, it's cost effective. And then um, normally we would do what? We would arm the government relations team with talking points and fact sheets. And we maybe will do an infographic, you know, that's colorful. And we'd get third-party stakeholders to support, you know, that option. We would maybe do an op-ed, some thought leadership. And they were really open to creative as an avenue to get attention, um, you know, in the Department of Defense, in the Pentagon, in, you know, on Capitol Hill. And so we created, Rob and his team created a really um, avant-garde campaign of calling it the smart decision, right? So we know that what moves lawmakers is taking all of the facts and making the smartest, right? weighing them. Is it cost effective? Is it less risk? You know, how does what what's the best outcome here? And mm -hmm. that's a quote smart decision. Seems like not a big idea kind of term until you see what the creative team did with it, which is basically animating a brain, right? Wrapping it with all the different message points, wrapping a bus at the Farmboro Air Show with a big brain cloud, um, some videos with a talking brain, yeah. you know, a storm cloud that turns into a brain with a jet fighter flying through it. So just these real, I think we even had um, those stress squeezy toys <laughs> or brains um, at the air show, but really taking, you know, the team took a real advertising approach to the problem, but what really sold the client was not just the creative that we had our DC team that have come out of the administration, who have dealt with all of the decision makers before, having them on and explaining what's going to move our decision makers, the policymakers, um, how does procurement work, what are the, the congressional deadlines, right, who, who makes the decisions, what do they read every morning, where do they go for their news information, so when you take, it was like this perfect storm of subject matter expertise and creative execution, uh -huh. um, and, and the client said it over and over again. They said, listen, we can get the public affairs. We can get the creative, but we've never been able to get it all at the same time where those subject matter experts really informed the creative and, and sort of iterated with them. And so I think that's the, the feedback that we've gotten so far is that's the real special sauce when you have mm -hmm. those um, those people as creative, as equal partners, creative and subject matter at, at the table. Yeah. The client's really... Like they didn't need to explain anything to the creative team because the subject matter experts got it right. They had been there. They had done that before. And they also understood all of the 
the tools that a traditional campaign would use and why they're valuable and why those have to be included. And it's not just about making, you know, a, an interesting eye-catching ad um, yeah. or out-of-home advertisements, but it's, it's, you know, it's one of the many pieces. And so I think, you know, I would say if there are so many different tools and levers that we can use, but bringing in creative and this concept of, you know, a big idea that yeah. organizes everything um, has been revolutionary for a lot of our clients. A smart decision. A smart decision. That's right. Oh, you know what? That's what we need to do. I'm surprised we haven't done that yet. That should be the tagline for the lab, you know, hiring the lab. A smart decision. You can reuse all of that. I'll have to ask them for, for permission to reuse their, their tagline. Um, well, gosh, I feel like we could talk for hours uh, on this subject matter. Um, what, uh, what does like 2023 and 2024 look like for GSG in the lab? Yeah, what, what I really want to do over the, the upcoming months and years is figure out a way to scale what we do at the lab. I mean, this we're, we're talking Madison Avenue level creative, right? Yeah. Rob created the What's in Your Wallet campaign for Capital One. So he and his team um, and you know his partner in crime, Emily, who runs the digital media piece of the lab, um, really, really have built something remarkable here. What, what we need to now figure out how to do is scale that and make that sort of Madison Avenue level creative available to public affairs clients who might not necessarily have, you know, huge budgets or might not want that full campaign, right? But how can we infuse this creativity, not just content, but creative thinking yeah. um, for clients of all shapes and sizes, even if there's not creative content? Right. You know, how, how can the lab train us or we get them more involved? So we're thinking differently and can bring some of this um, to clients without having to put a line item in a budget sometimes. Right. Or if we do, you know, something that's that's more attainable to to a public affairs client. And so we've been experimenting with that. Um, we've done it really well so far. Now it's just a matter of figuring out, you know, what that what that mix looks like. Absolutely. Um biggest takeaways or, or like summary learnings that you can, you can say looking to somebody who wants to go build their own lab? Yeah. So I've put some thought into this. I would say you heard me talk about creative thinking a lot. So I would say one of the biggest learning is creative is not just about content, right? It's not just about graphics and videos. Um, it is about um, colleagues who think differently, that whole zoom out mentality, right? And that helps everybody. Uh, that's number one. Number two, I mentioned bringing the creative team in from the get-go, right? Not all creatives need to be or want to be client-facing or deal with clients, but we're most successful when we bring them in, give them exposure to clients and clients' exposure to them um, from the beginning. We know that that helps. Um, you heard me talk about the big idea, right? That's what the team calls calls it. Um, we're most successful when the teams, when the client teams are bought in on this big idea. And the big idea is an emotion or a feeling, right? And then it can come to life through a certain campaign, a tagline, a logo, et cetera. But when the client says, yeah, like that's the emotion I want to evoke. I mean, that's like advertising speak for some of our clients, but I want, you know, it's excitement, it's inspiration, um, it's fear, it's, you know, it's uncomfortable. I don't know. There, there's, you know, a whole bunch of them, but when the clients bought in on sort of that direction, um, that's helpful. Uh, I talk a lot about tolerating risk. Um, when you do this, 
um, and I don't mean by by building an in-house creative agency. I mean, there's a certain amount of risk when you bring creative ideas and content to the table, both internally and externally. Um, and we are not generally selling to an audience that is used to working with a creative or marketing agency, right? We're talking to lobbyists and general counsels uh, and often C-suite decision makers, but they're not buying ads. And so a lot of this, you know, and they've got a legislative fight on their hands, for example. And so a lot of this language is foreign to them, but you got to take the risk and, and bring in the big idea and show them what's possible. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you know, you're just, it's it's the same old, same old. And then I mentioned that the last thing I really learned is that you've got to combine for us, for a public affairs agency, you have to combine subject matter expertise with the creative, right? Like that's the that's the special sauce for the types of clients that we have. It's such so many great learnings applicable to uh, creativity in public affairs, but also just broader about how all of us think about campaigns and work and storytelling um, in so many capacities and and, um, thinking about how we even consider an open mind to be, what we consider an open mind to be. So I think there's just so many pretty enormous takeaways from from the kind of this case study of the lab, if you will. Um, and yeah, so- thank you. I'm trying to apply them in all their places. I struggle enough, right, with the lab <laughs> and the creative side, given the way my brain works. Um, but but you're right. It's it's applicable across work. It's applicable in your personal life, right? Just it's a, yeah. it's a bit of a stretch. Well, Tanya, this has been Tanya Mack from GSG uh, joining us today on the Provoke podcast. And we thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to have a conversation and and sit back and think of some of this a little bit. So thank you, Megan. Likewise. Um, This has been the Provoke Media Podcast, and I'm Megan Keoghan signing off. You've been listening to the Provoke Podcast, brought to you by Provoke Media and produced by the international broadcast specialist, Marketeers.